welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another faith-building message by Pastor David Entry. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. May your knowledge of Jesus Christ increase as you listen. Be blessed. Today is a very interesting thing because I'm seeing it's two messages in one, but it's the same message. But so, so just, I didn't want to interrupt with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because it's, it's, it's a blessing. And that message is a message. So I, I just want to pick it from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Last week, what did I talk about? Abraham and sons. You remember? Abraham loved his sons. But Abraham wasted 13 years of his work with God. His, his journey into destiny was interrupted for 13 years because of a detour. Because he operated in a way he shouldn't have operated. But after 13 years, God came back to him in Genesis chapter 17. So in Genesis chapter 16, verse 16, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Chapter 17, verse 1, when Abraham was 99 years old. So from 86 to 99, 13 years of silence because he went off God's direction for him. And But God is a God of mercy. So God will always give, God is giving somebody another chance here. So Abraham, God came to Abraham again and then told him that Abraham, I like what he said, Genesis chapter 17 verse 1. When he was 99 years old, God said, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and I will will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell to his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, my behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. This is a man who was childless and then tried to help God and ended up producing Ishmael. God was silent in his life. We didn't see the act of God strongly and the voice of God in his life again. And he went through that, that season. And that season, at the same time, that was the first time we saw Abraham having internal family crisis, family unrest, because he, he missed the direction of God. So it resulted. How many of you know that family crises are not pleasant? If you, are, if you are hit with family crisis, internal unrest in your family life, especially if, I'm mean, talking about your immediate family, it can be very disconcerting. You can be successful out there, but it's not worth it if it means failing in the house, failing in your family life. But Abraham had a family crisis. Even when he went and said his wife was his sister, it didn't bring problem. It didn't bring He went and said that because of land problem, immigration. God told him, stay here. He went to Egypt. And he had that problem. He should have stayed where God told him to stay. That's why he went to lie. But even that, because he didn't try to help God in a certain way, like in Ishmael's situation, he didn't bring family crisis until he went into Hagar and produced Ishmael. God had to take a back seat. And then family crisis entered. But afterwards, God came back. He said, Abraham, walk before me and be perfect. And then when God, he said, that's why my covenant is with you. God made a covenant with Abraham. And you know what the covenant was? You know what the covenant was? Read your Bible. This is your Bible. Chapter 17. Then, let's read from verse 9. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. All right. So when you read the verse 3, verse, verse 3, he said, then Abraham said, and then verse 4 said, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. Then he began to talk about the benefits of the covenant. Then verse 9, God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. So when God comes in agreement with people, there is with people, with you, there is always a responsibility. There is a part you must fulfill. There is a part you must fulfill. So like when he called Abraham, he said, leave your father's house 
I'll bless you. So if you don't do it well, the blessing doesn't come. Verse 9, and God said, as for you, shall keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout their generations. Then he said, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you, among you shall be circumcised. Say circumcised. circumcised. Say circumcised. circumcised. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. Verse 11. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be as uh, uh, like that. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. The circumcision. I've made a covenant with you, but the circumcision is the signature. Is the agreement, is the endorsement, endorsement of the sealing of the covenant. It's a sign. So he says that I have a covenant with you, but your portion, I'm not asking you to produce anything. All I'm telling you is circumcise. Someone say circumcise. Be ye circumcised. Be ye circumcised. For those of you who don't know what circumcision is, go and Google and type circumcision. It will explain it for you. Ishmael was born when Abraham was not circumcised. God had to wait for God, Abraham to be circumcised before Isaac was born. So why circumcision? What's the significance of circumcision? Because when you are circumcised, God said that everything that is going to come from my promise, that is going to be introduced into the world, that life that is about to be introduced to the world, so long as this promise I have with you is concerned, it must come through a channel that has been circumcised. Some of you didn't get it. The way children are born, the channel through which the seed is released must be circumcised. That's new life. New life. Okay. Now, what is circumcision? Do we also have to be circumcised? Someone say yes. Yes. You see that we were very weak. Do we also, as Christians, brothers and sisters, do we also have to be circumcised? Yes. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. In him... You were also, ah, who was also circumcised? Oh, verse 9 says that, for in him, talking about Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principles. So we, the believers, are complete in Christ. Say, I'm complete in Christ. I'm complete in Christ. In him, you were also circumcised. Circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Ah, so we also have to be circumcised, but this was not with the normal human hands. He said, you also were circumcised with the circumcision made with our hand. And then define circumcision there. Circum- what is circumcision? The putting off of the body of sin of the flesh. The circumcision of Christ is dealing with the flesh. Putting the flesh aside. Putting, what's the definition of Christian when we talk about circumcision in the New Testament? When we talk about circumcision, being circumcised is putting away of the flesh. Sister, that is so important. For your next stage in your walk with God. Everybody who is going to be part of God's people need to undergo circumcision. And circumcision is putting away, dealing with the flesh. Putting away the flesh. I'll explain what the flesh is. Let's highlight more on the definition of circumcision. Philippians 3, 3. Uh, let's read it aloud. Let's read it together. Let's go. For we are the circumcision. Who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Circumcision has everything to do with flesh. He said, we are the circumcision. 
We are the circumcision. We are those who are circumcised. Who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Self-confidence. Flesh confidence is where the problem is. Abraham produced Ishmael because he believed he could do something. He believed he could, he didn't have to wait for God. He believed he could do it himself. He moved ahead of God. Now, many people, many, most people think that when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about the flesh of sin. Listen, it is easy to deal with the flesh of sin. It is easier to deal with the flesh, sinful flesh, the flesh of sin. It is more difficult to deal with the flesh of confidence, the flesh of self. Where you, so where you know that this is good. Just let me just do it. So there are so many Christians who are walking in the flesh thinking they are trying to please God. Listen, listen, listen. It's easy to stop doing something wrong. It's much more difficult and it's very deceptive to think that you can use your flesh to do something good to please God. That's where the problem is. So Abraham having a child, after God told him, I'll give you a child. Having a child was not really out of God's plan. At least, at least, it makes God look good. It's like spraying perfume on God. Having a son makes God look good. But the problem of God is that you did it by yourself in the flesh. I wasn't part of it. So many Christians are focused and we are good at not sinning. But we are not good at not trying to please God in the flesh. So we, we do it in the flesh. We want to please God in the flesh. But there's a problem. There is a problem. If, I like this text I'm about to quote. It's a nice one. Romans 8, 8. You know, I like the 8, 8, the 16, 16. The, those, the, those ones are cool, man. Romans 8, 8. Romans. Romans 8, 8. Hey, did you see that? This is quite scary. Did you see that on the screen? Let's all read it out loud. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. One more time. So then, those who are in the flesh, can, can I hear the ladies really out loud? Let's go. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot. Can I hear all the men? Let's go. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot. The flesh cannot. It doesn't have what it takes to please God. Why are you so busy trying to please God in the flesh? Trying to please God your own way. Your mind is too active. Your mind is too active, trying to do it. Okay, I've calculated. If I do it this way, okay, this one will do it. If I'm doing this, you know, it's part of what you believe. God can be speaking to you. Our minds are too active. We are very calculated. We are very intelligent. Your problem is that some of us are too intelligent. Very intelligent, well articulate. We know how to present it. You know you don't fail interviews. So when you receive a word that God is about to give you a job, you knew that, oh, that interview, that's fine. Yeah, I know how to handle interviews. Yeah, I know how to handle interviews. That's why you produce Ishmael. Because you didn't go in the confidence, your confidence in God. You went in the confidence of the flesh. I know how to fix it myself. I know how I can get it going. Hallelujah. Amen. Flesh can't please God. Most of us have been able to deal with the flesh of sin. But we haven't been able to do with the flesh that tries to please God. The self that tries to please God. Flesh can't please God. He said, those who are in the flesh cannot Please God. So he told Abraham, get rid of the flesh. Sister, get rid of the flesh in this your work with God. Bro, get rid of the flesh. One of the things that I've been a pastor a few years now, you meet Christian brothers or Christian sisters, particularly if you make a mistake, you, you, you give a word of prophecy to a Christian sister that, oh, you are going to marry uh, maybe a banker or a doctor or a, a nurse or something. A year later, a few months later, it's, 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 you, there's a word that prophecy. Ah, I see God, you are going to marry a doctor. A few days later, you always see him uh, around the hospital. What 
are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, instead of I'm going for evangelism, where are you alone? Every time we are going, you don't go anywhere. You want to do it around because God has said that you marry a, a doctor. Oh, the Lord said I will. The Lord said I will marry. It's very interesting the way we use prophecies to promote the desires of the flesh. Promote the desires of the flesh. Oh, the the, the Lord said. Um, the Lord told me. But there was a prophecy that, um, you know, take a bold step and put God first. Don't put making money first. So I decided to walk away from my job. Meanwhile, you were underperforming. You know they were about to sack you. you. You are lazy. You are lazy. You are lazy. You don't want to work. And so someone gave a prophecy that God is about to lift you. God is about to give you promotion. Even your job will not be able to do that. You take as a as a reasons, license, escape routes. I know people who have left jobs in the name of want to serve God fully, and it's not true. They are actually lazy with, with a lot of wives at the back. Lazy. Lazy. Oh, because my, the other time pastor was preaching, he said, it is okay to serve God. Um, listen, this, this brother comes to me, says that um, the bank has offered to give me a loan to start the business. Or, or people are starting business so I can go and get a loan. And you have 5,000 pounds. You can use it as a deposit for the loan. But because you don't want to do the business because you are lazy. And two, you know that you have, you have disappointed the bank so much that you have ex- exceptionally bad credit history. When you go, you believe that you, you won't get it. So instead of saying that they won't give me, you begin to say that, as for me, I won't borrow money from anybody. Think about what I'm thinking about. It's, it's not actually, you are not pushing the agenda of God. There is a secret agenda in your heart. There's a secret agenda. Hidden agenda. I've seen it so many times. Hey, God said I'm married this year. And so you are hanging around this boy, and you know this boy is not right for your future. And now we are in November already, so you, you, have, to, you have to make sure that this word is coming through. You are working it. <laughs> Somebody is working it. It's working for somebody. So you are working it. Suddenly, you are believing God. God said you'll be be married very soon as you serve God. So all the reason why you are on stage is so that you can help God fulfill that that message that I'm going to, a husband will catch me in church. A husband will catch me in church. God told me I'll marry a pastor. The young man is not a correct guy, but he comes to church a lot, speaks in tongues, and he said he wants to be a pastor. You know it's very easy for lazy people to want to be pastors. Because you know, the pastoral work looks very easy from the outside. <coughs> you are talking, dealing with this, seeking the face of God at the same time, trying to manage things and trying to wait and, and get it. Pastoral work, if it's going to be effective, then it's hard work. Pastoral work is hard work. It's hard work. So most of the people who run from professional or corporate responsibility, and, oh, corporate, because you are, yeah, you, ah, that's a good point. After work, you can close. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. So those of you who want to leave your job and think pastoral work is just to come and stand here and just be talking. I see, I see. The Lord opened my eye. I see, I see. Those things don't build a church. Those things don't build people. They just encourage people. But to make things be happening and moving forward, teach people God's word. Teach people. So when people begin to try and abdicate corporate responsibility for, for ministry, they are putting their head on the guillotine of shame. When we teach the word very strongly, it eliminates a lot of emergencies. 
So you can have an emergency-free development. The cross is a symbol of pain. Hallelujah. So if you want to walk with God, you have to get out of the flesh. Get out of the flesh. Tell someone, get out of the flesh. And when God makes a demand on you, respond and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Once you say it, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I am ready and I'm worthy. Once God, you know you are not worthy. You know you are not ready. But when God says do it, you say, yes, Lord. That means even though I feel unready, I'm, I'm ready. Even though I, still, I feel unworthy, I am worthy. Yes, Someone say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's the only key into your colorful future yes. with God. But the flesh will now calculate and tell you, you know what, you wait. You have to be smart. You have to be intelligent. You have to manage things properly. And man- but you know you heard from God. That's two different things. There are people who make themselves hear from God when God has not spoken. That's not what I'm talking about. When God has not spoken. One, for two reasons. Number one, to make them look spiritual. People think when they come and talk to me and they're talking to me and tell, and then I had a vision and the Lord was showing me, they think it, make, it gives them any spiritual estimation before me. No, the fact that you have a vision doesn't make you look, doesn't, make, doesn't mean you are spiritual. The book of Nazar, he physically, hand, he saw a hand. Right in so having a vision is not an estimation. So stop trying to sell your spirituality to people by trying to tell them, God has been speaking to me. I had a vision last night. In fact, some people will come to church after I finish preaching. They'll come to you, Pastor, the things you're preaching, God was telling me exactly last night. He was telling me this. I didn't sleep. The whole night, God was speaking to me. You are a real man of God. It wasn't about Abraham. He planned, he had his plan already. He was looking for a man to raise a house. He wanted a house through which he himself can step in as the, the, the God on earth, God in the flesh. That's why he was, he wanted to raise a house so that we can become his house. So he just chose Abraham, not because Abraham was too good. Because Abraham, when God chose him, he was an idol worshiper. He was with a lot of other, other idol worshippers, but why him? Because sometimes the Bible says that it's not of him that willeth. Neither is it of him that runs. Romans chapter 9, verse 16. By some God who shows mercy. For he said, I'll have mercy upon whom I'll have mercy. And I'll have come. He said, I have, before the two boys were born, Jacob and Esau, one was already preferred. So for God to give you an opportunity to be part of something is not because you are too good. That's why you don't have to look at your flesh. It's because he has favored you. He's been too good to you. It's an honor. It's an honor to, for God to place a demand on you. When God places a demand on you, don't say, God, I can't. Look at what David did. David is an amazing gentleman, you know. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, open to your Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Very interesting. Have you seen 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 and 2? This is talking about David. The, the guy has prospered. Now it came to pass, when King David was dwelling in his house, and the Lord has given him rest from all his enemies all around. That will be your testimony. Amen. You didn't say amen? amen? God will give you rest from all your enemies. Amen. And when God has given rest from all his enemies round about, verse 2, that King David said to Nathan, Nathan was a prophet, okay? It's like his personal pastor, personal prophet. He said, Pastor, Pastor Nathan, Pastor Nat. <laughs> uh, he said, Pastor, see, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar. That's serious one. House of cedar. His palace was house of cedar. Powerful. Well paneled. And he was, I think this is what happened to David. One day he was lying down and he's looking at his house. What? Hey, a shepherd boy. Hey. 
a shepherd boy. The way I used to, some, of, some, some people here, you, you never had the privilege of wearing a new dress, a new shirt, always second hand, bend, bend down, boutique. <laughs> and now, now, you have new, new ones they have even known you as one. Sometimes we forget too quickly. There was a time you were praying, believing God for this immigration demon to be taken care of. Now it has been taken care of. So David, when he looked at himself, then because, sir, because David has a good heart, okay, because David had a good heart for God, hey, pastor, I've got a word. Listen, your heart desire, what is preoccupying your heart, easily influences the problems you, you notice or the solutions you can prescribe. Can I say that again? You know, someone can come into a house or someone who is a good seamstress or has an eye, an eye for makeup or beauty can see a sister who is maybe getting ready to walk into uh, to the altar bride and can say, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, come, come, come. No one tells you, look at this. And he can take one just strand of hair and put it somewhere different. Hmm. How did you see? We all didn't see that strand. How did you see? It's because of my heart. I have a heart for perfection or beauty. You yourself, you stood by the mirror, you painted your face, it's just like the truth there. The truth there. Well, it's not your fault because that's not your forte. And that's not your heartbeat. So what I'm saying is, David sat in his house and look at what he picked up. No one ever realized that the Ark of the Covenant was not dwelling in the house. No one. But God said it. That's what moved God. God said, when I brought the people from the house of Egypt, no one ever said in his heart, I have to build God a house. How come, David, you noticed it? How come you noticed it? Some scientists have already seen where I'm going. Look at this, verse 2. Then King David said to Nathan, See, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tents and curtains. Then Nathan said, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Nathan knew what David meant. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build, me, would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt. Even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle, wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel. Have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I command to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, that shall you say to my servant David, that says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be a ruler of my people over Israel. And I have been with you all, and instead of things that I've done, moreover, I've appointed you. He says that verse, jumping to verse 11, since the time I commanded judges to be over my people, Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the, okay, also the Lord tells you he will make you a house. Because no one has said this. Because I've never requested it. I've never requested it, but it's something that is my, my biggest plan, my house. God's house has been his biggest agenda. Can I, can I say that again? God's house has been his biggest agenda. All of us, he guided us all to make a house for himself. That's why Jesus came to die. He came to die so that we can become a house for God. Read your Bible, the new Jerusalem. Now it's a house, the house of God. As time goes on, by the end of ages, it becomes a city called New Jerusalem. And that city is a bride for Christ. That's what he's looking for. That's why he put Adam in the garden to start to get it ready for a city. It, it moves from a garden to a house to a city. And nobody picked that up. That's why he called Abraham. He called Abraham because that's why when he called Abraham, he said, I'll make you a father of nation. You know how to command your house. 
Because that's why I want to entrust you with the house. But God has his house. And he said, no one can build that house apart from my son. But David, I'm not spoken to anybody. Your heart picked the signal. And he said, because you have done this, me, look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. When your days are fulfilled, verse 11 says, also the Lord tells you to make your house. Verse, because, listen, did David have, did David have a house? He was living in the house of Cedar, very posh house. So why did God say, I'll make you a house? God, I didn't say I need a house. What did God mean? It's not a physical house. Your future, I'll secure your future. Not just you. Watch this, verse 12. And when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, that's when you, when you die, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will, I will establish his throne. Watch this. Watch this, and I will establish, establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? Forever. This is, this is not Solomon. This is not Solomon. This is not Solomon he's talking about. He said, he shall build and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. His kingdom. He's talking about Jesus. When David said, I'll build your house, God said, I found someone I'm going to descend through. Because he's looking for. That's why Jesus was called the son of David. It was since that day, David secured that job. How did he secure it? Not by flesh, but by a heart for God. He knew this is the necessary thing to do now. And God said, I'm glad you have planned that, but that's not my plan for you. And God said, because you have done this, me, the kingdom will never leave your house forever. Even when we go to heaven, Jesus will still be the son of David. Hallelujah. Throne of David. He said in heaven, said, I am the one who holds the keys of David. Sit on the throne of David, and also throne of David, and kill the keys of life. The throne of David. How did that happen? Because it entered his heart to build God a house. It entered his heart to build God a house. It entered his heart to build God a house. Anytime there is an opportunity to build God a house, please seize it. So when you host a huge organization, you tend to benefit. How much more? God. When, what, all I'm trying to say is when God wants to do a project, you should be in a haste to say, God, I want to bid for that. Am I communicating to somebody? That's how David got his blessing. In the book of, um, I like this one. In the book of Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Put it on the screen. Let's all read it together. But actually, let's look at verse, verse 1 first. Because there's something in verse 1, verse 1 and 2. Exodus chapter 25, verse 1, uh, verse 2. Okay, verse 1 and 2. Said, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me and did you see that? Let's read it. Let's read it. Let's go. Speak. Let's go. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with a heart. With his heart, you shall, we shall, we shall, we shall take from, from, my, from my offering. He wants the heart connection by must willing. He said, tell them to. What for? What do you need it for? Look at verse 8. Verse 8. Let's read it out loud. I, I, some of you didn't read it. Oh, come on, God. Now, you are, can do all things. Why don't you build it yourself? You can do all things. Why do we have to build it before you come? God, you know, we don't have much. Build it and come and bless us. Amen. Are you getting something? Yes. God, build it for yourself. God said, no, you build it and I'll come. Wow. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. God wants to dwell amongst us. God wants to throw his weight behind your life. Hallelujah. But he wants you to take the responsibility of creating the room for him to step in. Mm. Say, come, Lord. Come, Lord. A last scripture I want to show you is in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 22. Now, all these things, you can't do it in the flesh. 
You can't do it in the flesh other than that you produce an Ishmael. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20, particularly from the verse 18, interesting. Verse 18 talks about how Sambalat, there's a man called Sambalat, opposition. Verse 19, but when Sambalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab head of, head of it, when they heard what we are doing, we are building a house for God, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that, uh, that, that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered and said to them, the God of heaven himself will do what? Let's all read it out loud. Let's go. The, the God of heaven himself will prosper. Therefore, will arise. One more time. The God of heaven prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. One more time. Therefore, therefore we his servants will arise. For the last time, the God Pastor, one word that jumps out strongly to me is himself. Right. He knows how to get the money into your hands yes, to do his work. He knows it. He knows how to cause that contract to come to you for, you for you to do his work. Today is a great day. Do you know why? Because God said that you have been going to the hills in Haggai chapter 1. You've been going to the hills and been fetching wood and trying to put money in your pocket, but the money doesn't stay. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting. Isn't, isn't it interesting? In Haggai, look, look, get me that scripture. For thus says the Lord. Haggai chapter, chapter 1 verse 7. No, no, verse 3. The word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled, paneled houses? And the, temple of, uh, the, and the temple lies in ruins. Did you see that? Your house is good. You are come. And the temple lies in ruins. Is, that, is it time for that to happen? So is it time? It's a rhetorical question, and you should know the answer by now. Is it time for that? To, now, therefore, that says the Lord of food, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag of holes. That says the Lord, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains. Say, go up to the mountain. Go up to the mountain. Say, go up to the mountains. Go up to the mountains mountain and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Amen. Who should do it? Say, you go and get the wood and come and build it. That now I can come and live inside. He said, go and, and get the wood. Go to the mountain. You know it's difficult to climb a mountain. Get the wood and come and, and, and I'll take pleasure in it. You... You, you look for much, but indeed it comes to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of all. Because my house is in ruins. When God's house is in ruins, your life is at stake. Because the blessing that is supposed to come, Bible says that, um, may the Lord hear your prayers from Zion. I cried unto the Lord, Psalm 3 verse 4. I cried unto the Lord uh, with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Holy Hill signifying in his house. So he said, when the house lies in ruins, it's your life that is, that lies in, uh, that, that, that is at stake. Then, then let, let's see the solution God said. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withhold the fruit. Hey, for I call for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the, on the grains and the new wines and the, um, the, the oil and, and whatever the, the ground brings forth on men and livestock and all that. So he said that you have to go and build my house. 
And when you build my house, the story changes for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Why don't you subscribe to our YouTube channel at Caris Church and subscribe to our podcast so you are always up to date. Be blessed.